0: Hello everybody, welcome to Webcology, It is Thursday, April the 24th. You're listening to webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from metamen.com, joined by Dave Davies from beanstalk Inc, and we have an amazing show for you today. Dave, how you doing
3: today? I'm doing just great, very excited about today's show. You yeah, know,
0: today's show is going we're going to move really quickly. One of our guests is about to be getting on an airplane, but he's an important guy to get on. Um, we're going to be starting talking about cybersecurity, ID phishing, um, and the state of botnets and malware in our ecosystem. Um, we have uh, Ryan Shustavita from Panda's, Panda Software. He's been on before when we did our last show on botnets. We're going to be rounding out the hour, the hour with Sarah Bird from SEO Moz. Um, people may or may not know there's a fella trying to register SEO as his own trademark, and today is the last day to block it. If you have any complaints about it, and you know, want to. Uh, complained to the U.S. Patent Office. Today is the last day to try to stop this fella from registering well, <laughs> a very well-known um, phrase as his trademark. But um, we've got to get moving. As I said, our very first guest, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Shosobitov, is going to be boarding an airplane out of, uh, I believe, Denver sometime uh, in the next hour. So we want to get him on really quickly. Um, Ryan, are you on the phone now? Excellent. Um, now, just for our guests, we're, we're conducting this interview over a cell phone in what's likely a fairly noisy airport lounge. But, Ryan, welcome to Webcology. I'm so glad you can make it today.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: Now, you and I were speaking about two weeks ago um, for, for a print interview that I, I'm afraid I still have to write up um, about... Cybersecurity about um, botnets and about well the the new use of botnets. I guess when we spoke um, about a year ago, we talked about botnets and click fraud. But as you were telling me, there's a a new well a new class of crime that the uh, bot herders are using. Could you tell our guests about that?
1: Yes, what they're using. I think I, I talked with you about um, something called server-side polymorphism and what this is is um and this is not an old technique but something that's been used for um a long time in the industry we're talking about the old days of viruses they're using polymorphic engines to mutate variations of the worm the virus but now what they're doing is they're mutating the variations on the server and providing malware on demand so we we in the industry call this as crimeware as a service because people in the botnet can be um, instantly rendered the brand new variant of a malware uh, in a matter of minutes um, with a remote command via HTTP. So it's quite complex in terms of trying to detect something like this uh, because they don't have access to this engine to decode it. So you could be sitting infected Um, and doing your thing, and then your antivirus software says, hey, you're infected with a bot, but before it has a chance to disinfect, the thing morphs. So that's really the idea here, and the emulation technologies that were being used uh, in the antivirus industry do not work on the endpoint when the um, polymorphic virus is working from the server side. And somebody could be changing the binaries like every second up there manly, so it's really difficult to locate this.
0: So, so basically what you're saying is even if somebody has what, what they consider to be state-of-the-art antivirus software, and, and, and that software even catches the problem, that problem can morph can change, can alter itself, and um, really the, these hackers, these, these criminals have developed a class of virus that's almost uncatchable.
1: Yeah, and um, because everything today is identity theft, and like we spoke in the last show, some time ago, um, it's botnets, Trojans, but it's gotten very sophisticated now where we've actually found and and done a research against um, 1.2 million different consumer PCs. We found that out of them that had up-to-date active anti-malware software, uh, we found that there's a 23% active infection rate. That means they had malware on their systems while their security software uh supposedly was up to date and working, that means it missed the threat, but it was active in memory. So that means they're probably a victim of identity theft at that point.
0: So approximately one in four computers, twenty three percent, have this have this malware running. They're the 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 hackers are recording keystrokes, taking information and using this information to perform identity theft and uh presumably to, to take money out of people's bank accounts, get mortgages in their names, car loans, etc. Is that, is that correct?
1: Pretty much, and it's actually a rise in that trend, and we find that 40% of the malware that we see on a daily basis, which happens to be 4,000 samples, is identity theft-based Trojans. That means 40% of 4,000 new pieces of malware a day equates to a 40% crimeware uh, type.
0: That is that's, that's that's a terrifying figure. What the, you'd, you'd think that the banks or that, that that government would be interested in solving this problem. Um, have you had? At, no, at, at Panda Software, you have um, you and the RSA have actually been one of the few led one of the few successful botnet bots bot, busts in the past. Is yes, more attention shut being that paid by the well, well right, given right so, uh, that given that bud, that was the clickbot a a bust um, is there more attention being given by the federal government or by by the banking companies
1: yeah, but obviously if if it's an untraceable botnet then uh, it's it's really difficult to to detect or counteract I mean obviously, what banks are trying to do is increase authentication. Meaning that they put additional um, mechanisms for validation, like for example, Bank of America came out with out-of-bounds authentication, which means uh, sending a um, passcode to your cell phone, which is out of the bounds of current authentication. And some of those approaches, you know, maybe solve twenty to thirty percent of standard keyloggers, but most uh, you know identity theft trojans today will inject um, code into the page itself and extract the the information way before the user has a chance to actually authenticate. So authentication mechanisms are not enough. So therefore, technologies have to be designed to find an active threat on the PC and interact um, in conjunction with the authentication uh, procedure that the bank has incorporated. So it's actually a very interesting um, you know situation that we have here that needs to you know obviously you know more initiatives from the government such as the FBI or or other central you know government agencies to combat this threat but when a lot of the stuff is coming from foreign countries that have you know very laxative laws on you know extradition as well as cybercrime it's a little bit hard to you know you know stop it so we need to from an american perspective develop better technologies that are capable of finding these things from a proactive uh... uh perspective
3: So does the solution, does it look like it's going to come more in the form of increased security from from services such as yours, or are we going to have to deal with the inconveniences of, um, you know, things like one-time keys and things like that? Sending to your cell phone a one-time key works once, you log it, now it never works again.
1: Well, actually, some of the directions here is that we'd be talking about um, doing uh, sort of a transactional security. So that means... Um, being able to load um, a small amount of code on the user's PC, scanning all memory in two seconds and writing a verdict back to the banking portal, whether or not that user is infected um, with you know, an active Trojan or not. Actually, BANA had developed a solution called uh, BANA Security for Internet Transactions, which accomplishes this and was actually one of the approaches to uh, mainly solve this issue with identity theft.
0: Now, why is it that we as webmasters or as uh, network technicians can't protect our websites or our networks um, against these intrusions?
1: And you know what's interesting, Jim, is that I just got a report this morning that um, hackers are after the webmasters now. And this is interesting because we just heard that there's a supposedly new uh, vulnerability in Microsoft IIS, and the fact that they're capable of doing a SQL injection to manipulate the web page and essentially insert a malicious JavaScript code. Okay, so, so what is, we're, what is seeing, we're seeing about <laughs> 282,000 different websites hacked.
0: Okay, I'm sorry, the, uh, the airline attendant, sort of. how many sites were you saying you're seeing hacked?
1: Two hundred eighty-two thousand is the the current rating, and if you look, um, it's also being reported by other vendors as well. But this morning, uh, we found two hundred eighty-two thousand different um, web pages being hacked. Um, this is all through uh, SQL injections to manipulate the web page, but it's actually related to a recent Microsoft advisory that. Um, was actually published a couple of days ago, talking about this uh, possibility.
3: So, what do we do about that? Like now, how does your your average user, not let alone the webmasters, but how does your average user now know? How do they protect themselves against this?
1: Well, it's 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 difficult. Like I said, I mean, because that a lot of this stuff isn't classified. You need to start utilizing uh proactive technologies. So that means um rather than using signature based solutions which all rely on a DAT file being updated and the antivirus lab going through each sample and producing a vaccine, it's necessary we have stuff that can calculate the potential of a particular file or attack as being bad or not. And that's something that needs to, you know, be addressed from an industry perspective. Some you know, some technologies are more matured than the others but you know heuristics was the first ride that was attempting to you know calculate potential of file dangers and it's only going to get better as time proceeds. Now, Ryan,
0: I, uh, I realize you're about to board an airplane and time is tight here so I want to I move quickly through some of the other stuff that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Sure. Um, one of, the, one of the movements, and I, I think maybe this might be a long-term solution, but one of, one of the movements in, well, just in general in technology, is moving away from the big box computer unit or even your laptop and into server-side software or cloud computing. Now, given that the botnets <laughs> tend to run off of individual computers, is cloud computing a, uh, a solution to, to, to some of these cyber problems we're seeing today?
1: Uh, yeah, because a lot of the stuff here could be done from the cloud. So, for example, um, there is a cloud computing model that is based on antivirus, which is called herd intelligence, which collects information from the community but does all the anti-malware processing in the cloud and provides a verdict to a very small agent that resides on the user's PC. So this actually raises the bar substantially because you can have input from millions of different PCs immediately and part of this would be to correlate all the behavioral traces and produce vaccines without having to have hundreds of pieces infected rather than just a couple of pieces that might be infected. We can get data as early as eight to 10 hours before the attack becomes quite prevalent uh, in the industry.
0: Unfortunately, in the meantime, we're still stuck with our big boxes, with our laptops, even with our PDAs, which I understand are also um, targets for infection. Is it, is it at the point now where a guy like me, I'm a very active person, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working like 12 to 14 hours a day, and I don't have time to go down to the bank to check my bank balance. I prefer doing it online. Right now, though, would it be smart of me to forego my, uh, my, my online access and just go down to the bank machine?
1: Yeah, it might be a good idea for now, you know, but, um, like I said, we have, uh, we offer some interesting ways that are free online to check to whether or not you're, you're infected. We actually have something called, uh, Banker Trojan Heuristics, which are specialized on finding, you know, some of these infections. If you go to infected or not, you know, I mentioned this about, you know, two years ago or a year ago when I talked to you and, this has basically been updated and revised, and people can scan their pcs for free and see if um they are already infected with a data breach and that means whether or not uh banker trojans present
0: so is there is there a URL that you could offer um our listeners the yes, or not dot com. okay, so that's infected or not dot com now you directed me to another one nanoscan.com. dot com
1: they they've all been merged. NanoScan and TotalScan have been merged now, so uh, they're basically now one site, and it's called ActiveScan 2.0, which is basically a super cloud scanner.
0: That's phenomenal. Is there is there? Uh, that's a great service to, to offer people. I remember when uh, when you had me go check my computer, I was legitimately surprised that I wasn't infected, given the, that I'm an SEO yeah, and I go to about a billion websites day.
1: But you should definitely um, check it again.
0: Oh, again and again and again. It's one of those things, actually, I'm doing at the beginning of every week now. Um, and that, You know what? That's probably not even vigilance enough.
1: Looks like the the overhead PA is getting a little out of control now.
0: Okay. You probably have to go, eh?
1: Yeah. I'm pretty close to a flight leaving now. It uh,
0: looks like they're okay. above the board. Okay, Ryan, thank you so much for spending the time with us on Web I hope you have a great flight and friends. Uh, this, was, uh, Ryan, uh, Schir- this was Ryan this was Ryan Shu excuse me, from Panda's, Panda Software. Folks, go check out some of the, some of the URLs he gave us. Um, again, Ryan, thank you so much for being, uh, being on the show. and uh, we're going to be going to break here on Webcology on Webmasterradio.fm. We'll be coming back in a few moments with Sarah Bird from SEO Moz, and we, uh, we're going to be talking about the fellow who wants to register um, SEO as his personal trademark. I think Sarah has quite a bit to say on that. And um, if you all stay tuned, this is Jim Hedger from metamen.com and Dave Davies from beanstalk-inc.com. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be back after these minutes out from the professionals at bruce clay incorporated for over 10 years
1: offices worldwide they've got answers you need check them out today at bruceclay.com. bruce clay
4: incorporated need help improving your ppc campaigns Tired of spending all your time swamped with spreadsheets and manual updates? Turn to Adapt SEM software to optimize your campaigns and to reach your goals. Adapt SEM is one of the most affordable and reliable tools on the market for improving PPC campaigns. Adapt SEM not only optimizes your bids, but also gives you keyword suggestions, competitive research, and helps to test ads, all in one place at flat rate pricing and no long-term commitments. Learn how Adapt SEM can help manage your PPC campaign's Better. check out our free webinar at adapt.com slash webmaster radio sign up now for a free personal tour adapt.com slash webmaster radio stand by this is a life tips quick tips
0: travel
1: tips. Want to check the arrival or departure times in a hurry? No problem. Simply text your flight number to Google. For example, let's say your lovely wife is flying in from home on a business trip from L.A. this afternoon. Pop open your iPhone, punch in an SMS text message to 466-453, which spells Google, by the way, Type in U.S. Space Airways space 6342, the flight number. Within seconds, you'll see the flight has arrived on time. So don't be late. Head off and pick up your wife.
4: Listen for more quick tips every day right here. And listen to live tips Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the entertainment channel only on webmasterradio.fm. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider.
0: One of my old friends and also a leader in the industry, Chris Jones, who is the CEO and president of Pepper Jam.
1: We have to be careful. We've known each other so long that I guess we can't just carry our personal conversations here in front of all your <laughs> listeners, can we?
4: Yeah, let's, let's not talk about those dance contests, okay? Okay. <laughs> Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
3: The whoring of Facebook for promotional purposes continues with the WebmasterRadio.fm Facebook fan page. Join our fans by clicking the Facebook logo on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage and keep up to date with all the latest. Become a fan on Facebook. Commercials off. Now back
0: to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the
1: hosts, Jim Hedger
0: and Dave Davies. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Metamen.com and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Inc.com. And may it please our listeners. We are joined by Sarah Bird Esquire. The, uh, well, the, the the Sarah, do you actually work for SEO Moz? Are you the lawyer for I, SEO
2: Moz? I am. I am general counsel at SEO Moz.
0: Well, as I said, may it please our listeners. We have the general counsel of SEO Moz, Sarah Bird, on the line. Sarah, welcome to Webology.
2: Well, thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me on today. It's a, it's a great day to do this program, so your timing is fantastic.
0: Well, as, uh, as um, Dave was telling me uh, before the before the segment started, it's an interesting day to do it because this is the last day to file a challenge to Jason Gambert's application for the uh, trade SEO.
2: That's right. You've got that- it exactly right. Anyone out there who is concerned about this application and believes that they could be harmed by someone else owning the trademark SEO uh, has got to get moving today. It's the last afternoon to do it, and it's pretty quick and easy. You can do it online, and I really encourage anyone out there who thinks they could be harmed to go and uh, take action.
3: Now, Sarah, what can you, uh, I had the opportunity on uh, WebProNews.com to watch the video, uh, a lot of history of of what happened here. Um, Many of our listeners won't have. What can you tell us about, how did it come to this? Uh, How did we get to where we are right now?
2: Well, um, you know, Jason Gambert filed an application uh, last year in May, so about a year ago, to trademark the word SEO in capital letters, um, you know anyone who thinks that they have a registrable mark can file an application. So, so far, so good. Um, What's interesting, though, is the fact that he's trying to register uh, what's really just a common generic word. I mean, SEO has been in use for well over a decade. It's um, just generic and descriptive of a whole industry. And interestingly, he's not even trying to use it in a distinctive way. You know, he's not making coffee pots or something. You could register SEO for coffee pots or, um, you know, a restaurant chain, but you cannot do it for um, Internet marketing services. So he filed his application, um, very broadly written, uh, would have given him, if, had, if granted, would have given him expansive, expansive control over the term in the industry. Um, luckily, the reviewing attorney at the trademark office um, her job is to weed out the obvious problem applications, and you know they were spot on. They they quickly rejected the application and said, "This isn't going to work. It's it's a generic term. It means search engine optimization, and we have all this proof." And you know she listed several other objections he'd need to fix up. And he, uh, in response, didn't withdraw his application. He just amended it. Um, he tried to create arguments that he was not trying to trademark. SEO for the purposes of search engine optimization, and he it's a it's, it's very confusing application if you read it. I'm, I'm not quite sure what he was trying to trademark it for, but uh, he clearly tried to make an argument that, oh, I'm not doing search engine optimization. I'm doing some kind of marketing process, and it's not, it's not this other thing, so that shouldn't be an objection, and um, he goes back and forth with the trademark office maybe three or four times getting rejected, and then amending his application um finally i you know i i'm just speculating but i think that the reviewing attorney kind of gave up and was so confused by what he was trying to do and she just had to take his word for it you know if you're not doing search engine optimization and you're doing something else then then all right well preliminary approve this to go to the next the next step and uh his approval to go to the next step was given in january and on march it went forward to the publication stage um publication, just so your listeners are aware, is, is not a final step. It's, um, you know, it's an intermediary step where the, all of these potential marks are published to the world and the world is put on notice, you know, hey, if you've got a problem with any of these um, potential registrations, you need to let us know soon, uh, within 30 days specifically. So that's where we are. We're in this, you know, publication um, uh, opportunity to object stage. Um, unfortunately, the last day to object is today. So if you, if you want to you know, let the Trademark Office know that this is not going to work, um, you need to file either a request for more time today, which is very simple, quick process, will take you less than a half an hour and you can do it online, or you need to put together a, an official notice of opposition and file that today, which can also be done online, but it's a little more time consuming and most listeners will want, probably want to speak with their Trademark Attorney about that.
0: Now, just to, um, just, just to clarify the damage that uh, Jason might be doing to the industry, um, we live in a world where Nike can, can register just do it as a yeah. slogan and where Walmart can, uh, can own the smiley face. Now, I'm still allowed to say just do it in, in common conversation, and I can use emoticons in my emails. Um, what would Jason's, Jason Gambert's ownership of this trade do to the industry?
2: Well that's a that's a terrific question. Um and I think it's a good time to to bring up I assume that you don't have Jason on the show today um, but a person claiming to be Jason J- Jason Gambert has actually um written a, a post uh on jasongambert.com describing what his intentions are which I think is really important to reveal um to the listeners his His intention uh, is to allow certain people who follow certain standards to use the word SEO to talk about their industry and their practice, but to prohibit other people from doing so. So if you're um, practicing SEO and you call yourself an SEO or have the expression SEO on your website to provide Internet marketing services and he doesn't like what you're doing, uh, he's going to send you a cease and desist letter that says, hey, knock it off um, or pay me some money and I will license it to you, and he'll try to enforce that. Um, I think that this will have a disparate impact on the sort of smaller solo shop guys because they have less resources and less knowledge base to draw on to defend these kinds of cease and desist letters. And, you know, I think bigger SEO firms would challenge the use and say, hey, you know, you can't stop me from doing this because you should never have gotten the mark in the first place, and all kinds of lawsuits would ensue. Over that, which would you know, take thousands and thousands of dollars and time and effort and worry. Um, so it really does give him the right to control marketing, control how this is used in commerce, and he can prevent other people from doing it. He claims on his um, post if it is him, and you know, it's the internet, so who knows what who really does anything. But if we assume it's him, we have no reason not to, since the the real Jason Gambert hasn't disclaimed it or anything. Um, you know, he he claims that his goal is, is just altruistic, and that he's trying to impose standards upon a community. Um, you know, I yeah, it's 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 difficult to yeah yeah it's difficult to um, to know how to take that. And I think a lot of people in the community have responded with um, skepticism as perhaps an understatement uh, if, whether he's motivated altruism or adwords. You know, it's hard to say. Um, that's the other interesting point of this conversation. Is you know, thanks to our um, marketing techniques and programs, people who have trademark rights own special ways of monetizing um, their brand. Uh, you know, you can Google is going to let trademark owners um, purchase their brand, and uh, no one else, if the trademark owner says so. So I think I think there are all kinds of interesting um, ways that Jason Gambert could monetize this if he chose to. Um, I think, interestingly, um, you know, there's sort of two, I think, two overarching uh, concerns with, with his attempt to um, trademark SEO for altruistic reasons. One is that even if it is his attempt to perform this act for the betterment of the community, it still, unfortunately for him, is um, in violation of trademark law. You know, you can't just decide to co-opt a generic term for your own private use. Um, you know, if he wants to create standards, that's fine, but he needs to he needs to use another word. He needs to use a distinctive word, preferably one that's arbitrary and fanciful, um, like SEO mod. You know, what the heck does that mean, right? It, it's a great... It's got a lot of trademark qualities. Um, so he needs to find a new word and, and use that word to brand his standards. Um, secondly, I think... I think the community in general has has recognized that um, it's his attempt to do this feels very presumptuous. Um, he's not been involved in the community. Uh, he doesn't. He's not engaged in SEMPO or any of the other organizations that are currently working towards standards. He hasn't talked about what his idea of standards would be if he wasn't charged uh, in charge of doing that. Um, He also, I think, everyone's kind of wondering, you know, well, when was he planning on engaging the community in this conversation? Was he going to wait until he already owned the mark and then kindly let us in on the on the the strategy here? You know, it feels um, it feels disingenuous, I think, to a lot of people. So, well, well, Sarah, I guess
0: a few moments because we have some questions from the chat room that that are just starting to pour in now. Sure, Um, you might have to fire a few at you.
2: Yeah, go right ahead.
0: Well. a poster named One Cent would like to know, and, and I'm quoting the question By law, if I use SEO before his final date, what could he do?
2: Uh, before his final date. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what before his final date is, but I will yeah, answer I, the question.
0: I'm, I'm this assuming way. he means before it's registered.
2: Before it's registered, he can't do anything. He doesn't have any particular rights. He can He can send you a letter, but it has much less backing. I mean, theoretically, when you own a trademark, you own it before you register it. For example, SEOMA is, is not registered, but we own it, and we have the right to stop other people from doing anything with it. It's what we call common law trademark, also, also known as the poor man's trademark. So theoretically, he has that, but he couldn't waltz into court with that. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything. I mean, well, that's why you go through the process of registration is so that you have the opportunity to get the law behind you and take matters to court if you need to. Um, You know, so before he gets the certificate of registration, he has much less oomph behind him. After he gets a certificate of registration, he can take people to court over using the word SEO. Whether or not he'd win or not is a different question, but he certainly is the presumptive winner, and then you have to kind of work against that in a court of law.
0: Well, as a um, follow-up, OneCent has a domain, SEO whatsoever. SEOwhatever.com, and 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 you have the domain SEOmoz. Could um mm-hmm. could Mr. Gambert damage either of you?
2: He would certainly try to. I I imagine. I, I mean, he would claim that depends on whether or not we're following by his standards or not. Let's assume for the interesting argument that he doesn't like the way that I or this one cent does business. He would send us a cease and desist letter. He could um, try to take this to um, the Uniform um, Domain Resolution Act. Um, sorry, and get it get that domain uh, turned over to him, essentially, Um, he could do all kinds, he could cause all kinds of trouble. Again, we have the opportunity to respond later if he tries to do that. And believe me, I would fight it tooth and nail then, too, because the other interesting thing about his application is that he claims he didn't start using it until February of 2007, that makes this claim pretty easy to overcome for the rest of us who've been using this for well over a decade. So he'll have a really hard time proving that he has some special right to this expression.
0: Okay. um, Rhea is asking if we have any knowledge of how many companies or individuals have already filed opposition, and what's the next step after the opposition door closes?
2: That's, That's a great question. You know, to my knowledge, Moz is the only one who has filed a notice of opposition. I have had emails from people who indicate to me they intend on filing uh, for an extension of time, um, which is another great way to preserve your rights. You can file your notice of opposition later. but right now if you just want to buy yourself some time, you can file that notice of extension of time, sorry request for extension of time. Um, to my knowledge, no one has actually done that. so, I'm kind of surprised, and I'm hoping that your program here today will, you know, will get people to, to take the time and, and do this and help, um, help protect the community um, in, in this important way.
3: Now, what time do we have until to get this done? I know today is the last day. What is the cutoff?
2: You know, I, I assume it's uh, 5 p.m., but I'm, I'm actually not sure, and I don't, I don't know if that's Eastern time or not, but the sooner the better, and people can jump on this. And really, it's not going to take course, a I- lot of time.
3: So where do we do this? Of course, a, a very important question.
2: Yes, I, I'm so glad you asked. You can do it online at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Um, the The website actually is estta.uspto.gov. Dot dot That's the electronic filing um, domain for the United States Post, uh, Patent and Trademark Office. So if you get on there... Um, so really the only information you're going to need is the, um, the application number of the trademark, which is available on my post. Um, I link to it. So there's a, a serial reference number for this particular application that you're going to need to, in the website, put in so that they, they know which application you are requesting more, more time for. Uh, and then you just need to know your own information, who you are and what your address is and, you know, why you need more time. Uh, most people, I presume, are just going to need more time to talk to their attorney and do some research, which is perfectly legitimate. These, uh, these requests for more time are, are liberally granted.
3: Um, now, what well, jurisdiction um, so. do, we have, uh, do we have this covered? Now, this is being filed in the United States. Uh, I personally reside in Canada, obviously use the term SEO, smattered throughout our site and, and have for years. What jurisdiction does this have? Is there any claim towards people who may be operating companies in Canada or or other parts of the world?
2: Well, it depends on where your audience is. If you're doing if you're providing SEO services for companies in the United States, then he's going to try to stop you from using SEO um, in to market to those companies in the United States. Um, and just because you're in Canada doesn't mean that you can't go online and file an objection. So the important thing to, to think about here is not where am I in the world, it's where am I doing business and where am I going to experience harm. Uh, so if you are in Canada and you provide SEO services to clients in the United States, you can still go online and object to this, and you should. And you, and you should go online and object to this if you feel like this is going to harm you from being able to talk about what you do to your U.S. clients?
0: Now, Sarah, while well, I realize that this is this is really putting you on the spot um, and, and, and and making a prediction is um, well, it's, it's it's very difficult. Um, what's your gut sense of of uh, Gambert's chances here?
2: Well, I I actually feel pretty confident about that. Actually, I, I don't really see that he has um, much hope at all. I I'm not sure at all what he can what argument he can make. It's Feels very um, disingenuous to me that he's not using this for search engine optimization um, purposes. Uh, so I would be sort of shocked and amazed if he could pull this out of his hat. That he's been using this for, um, you know, for well over a decade. And in this context, uh, I, I just don't know what what he can do. And if he gets the SEO mark registered for something other than search engine optimization, um, we've still accomplished our goal, which is that fine, now we can go, i continue to go on and use SEO for this, you know, marketing purpose, internet marketing purpose. So, so either way, I feel, I feel very confident. You know, actually, my hope is, sorry.
0: Your hope, sorry about
2: that, your my hope, hope is. My hope is, uh, is that he, Whatever Mr. Gambert is doing right now, I hope he is talking to um, an attorney. I hope he's sitting down with that attorney and discussing, frankly, what his objectives are and and what's the best way to legally go about that. I feel confident that when he talks to an attorney, um, that attorney will help him understand um, that trademarking SEO in this context is not going to fly and that if he wants to have if he wants to start some sort of standards organization, there are much there are much better ways to do it.
0: Uh, Rhea asks if um, if I don't have SEO in my trademark, but I provide the service and want to use it. Am I still okay to file opposition, or do I have to be someone like SEO Moz or SEO Book?
2: No, she can still she can still do that if she's going to say in her promotional materials. Um, I perform search engine optimization services for you or SEO services for you, um, then she still has, uh, she'll still be harmed because she won't be able to talk like that in the future if this mark gets uh, registered.
3: Now, I know one of the, the uh, initial objections was using uh, using the term services, ended up switching that into actually noting it's a process, not a service. Um, now, I'm not a lawyer. Is there an opening there? Um, to allow for us to offer, you know, if we're saying, no, we're offering this as a service, we're calling this the SEO, it's a service, we're not uh-huh. referring to it as a process, we're not calling it a process, is that a, a loophole that can be used, or uh, will that also be closed as well?
2: I I believe that will be closed. I think that what's, it, it's hard to have this conversation simply because it's hard to understand really what he was asking for in his application. It's extremely confusing application. So when I, when I read it, it seemed to me, and I believe that the reviewing attorney also seemed to believe that he claimed he was not providing search engine optimization like, services as a, as a process, but that he was doing completely some other kind of marketing. But he never really describes what kind of marketing service he's providing. He just sort of speaks generally and tries to drive this you know, artificial web between marketing services internet marketing services and SEO. Um, and I simply believe that, you know, once we get testimony from people in the industry that talk about the broad reach of SEO and how artful and intelligent SEO is more than just manipulating a keyword here and there, that he will have no claim. There is there is no argument or distinction to be made between SEO, a process, and some kind of vague marketing service. Um, I just... I it's just not going to not going to fly you're talking about the same thing just maybe at you know different levels of particularity
0: okay, Sarah, one of our listeners is is actually filling out the opposition notice as as uh, as she listens and she wonders Great. do i choose the all goods in this class um she in quotes all goods in this class
2: gosh this is uh this this is a tough um, question for me to answer simply because I have to be careful about not giving specific legal advice. You know, it's a, an ethical problem for me to start advising people, giving specific advice for their specific situations when I'm not their attorney and I, I don't know um, what their uh, what their overall objectives are, or their their industry is, um, their specific industry. So I, I, w- I don't want to give her specific advice, but I will say that if, if you think that um your use of the mark fits into what he's describing his goods and services of, then you want to object to all of them. Uh if you if is you that, only are how, objecting to some of them, then you'll just object to some.
0: Is that how SEO Moz would have filed?
2: SEO Moz we objected to all.
0: Goods okay. And services. Now, and my and my thought,
2: application is online, and it's my sorry. My notice of opposition is online and public knowledge, and I encourage people to to look at that and what arguments we're making.
0: Now, what if um, if Dave or I we're we're up here in Canada? What if we went mm-hmm. and registered SEO in Canada? Could we go after Mister Gambert?
2: Well, um, you know that's an interesting question. There are. You know, typically, if if Gambert was then trying to use SEO in Canada to market the Canadian clients, then if you beat him to the registration, then, yeah, you could stop him from using it in Canada. Um, now, there's this overall, There are there is such a thing as registering your trademark internationally um, through WIPO. And in order to register yours internationally so that you can own that mark throughout um, most of the world, you first have to file within your, your home country. So, theoretically... If he were to get this certification granted here in the U.S., his next step would be to file um, through this international organization, WIPO, which would give him protection um, over most of the world, including Canada, um, anyone who signed on to this treaty. And then you guys, if you haven't already registered, you're, you'd be in trouble. So uh, there, there is potential for him to take this beyond the, the boundaries of the, United, the U.S. market. It's just kind of a we race on who yet. can get it registered first.
0: I was only asking facetiously, but um, you know, now that, now that you mention it, <laughs> um, no. I, I, speaking for myself, I have no intention of registering SEO in Canada. and I'm pretty sure Dave doesn't either. Uh, <laughs> just, just before we get the hate mail,
2: <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> Sarah, is um, is there anything else that uh, people in the community can do? They let's say that that our listeners go and they file their opposition right now. Is there anything else they can do above and beyond filing opposition?
2: At that point, it's kind of a wait and see. And um, you know, in terms of of strategies, it may be that Mr. Gambert won't respond at all to my notice of opposition. And if he doesn't respond at all, we win by default, which is the ideal situation. If he does respond and, and um, you know want to proceed forward in this adversarial opposition proceedings, then it will go on, and there'll be uh, I will have to marshal together my evidence. Um, to present to the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board and explain to them you know, what SEO is and why we feel that this is a violation and, and go through the history of use for SEO to explain to the court how far back a generic this term is. And at that time, um, I may or may not be calling on um, sort of captains of industry here to, to help me provide evidence to the uh, Trademark Trial and Appeal Board other than that that's why it's so important to make this request for time uh, for more time or file your notice of opposition because you you really need to get your voice if you want your voice heard that's the only way it's really going to count you know all the letters to the editor and all the mean blog posts you write isn't really going to do anything for the trademark trial and appeal board
0: so does uh, does does Gambert have to reply to every notice of opposition
2: yes he has to answer all of them
0: Yes. So we could we can seriously gum the guy up for like months on end. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we could, although um, if I if I was the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board, and most of the notices of opposition really make the sort of same claims, same generic claims, I might consolidate them. Uh, and certainly, if I was Gambert, I would um, request more time to respond to each of them. And and again, those requests for time are are liberally granted because the court wants to give you time to make. You know, smart arguments and to be prepared and to do your research. Everybody suffers if you rush to file at the last minute and leave something out. And it's, you know, everyone should have access to justice and the time mm-hmm. to do it. So.
3: Now, how do we keep up with, uh, with all of this as we're, as we're trying to follow its, its progress through? Is there a, an individual location? You know, I can obviously f- um, follow you know, my, my filings, um, yeah. but is there a one location where we can kind of see how this overall process is progressing?
2: Yeah, you know, all everything that gets filed in a trademark application, well, I should qualify that. There are some trademark applications that remain private for a period of time, and that's a different topic. But um, certainly, Gambert's application and on any notice of opposition or request for extension of time that is filed is all public knowledge. And not only is it public, it's all available online. So you can go online to the website I listed before. You can also link to it from the article I wrote that will give you just almost up-to-the-minute um, access to any documents that have been filed and the status of those cases. Now, if, um, if Jason
0: Gambert loses, mm-hmm. is it over? Or can anyone else try to file for the same thing?
2: You know, anyone else can try to file. I'm ho- what, I, what I believe would happen, um, It's very nearly happened in this case, it's the reviewing attorney would catch it and say, I'm sorry, SEO is... Uh, it's a generic term. It's used commonly in this industry, and we're going to reject your application. Um, you know, it, Jason Gambert was so persistent and so, I think, confusing that he managed to sort of obfuscate the whole process um, and, and got through to the next level. So uh, I think the chances of anyone getting this far again are, are pretty slim, but it is technically possible.
0: Okay, we're we're rounding out the hour very rapidly. I know that we have news that we're going to have to go to soon. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for spending um, more time than expected um, answering our questions and our listeners' questions. Is there anything else that you have to say to the listeners before, uh, before we let you go?
2: Um, no, just please, if you believe that you would be harmed by this, I encourage you to take the time to file for a request for extension of time this afternoon. Uh, and don't delay. We can use all the support. Um, we can get here. And thank you. Thank you very much for your interest overall. that's It's been really impressive, the response. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to do it today.
0: You rock, Sarah. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Well, there you have it. Um, that was Sarah Bird, Sarah Bird Esquire, the uh, legal counsel to SEO Moz. And um, if we want to get opposition to Jason Gambert's application for SEO as his personal trademark, um, friends, get it in today. If you look in the Webmaster webmasterradio.fm chat room, the URL for the uh, U.S. P- uh, patent Office, which is estta.uspto.gov, that, again, estta.uspto uspto.gov. Um URL's in the in the chat room. Um, get in there. File your opposition. It's your trademark, friends. This is your industry. You, me, Dave, and the rest of us have built this industry, and this kid is trying to grab it and, uh, and trying to grab the the, the the basic acronym that describes our industry as his trade. That just seems pretty uncool and pretty unfair. Wow. Have you got yours registered yet, Dave?
3: I will be doing that as soon as the show's over.
0: Well, I think the show's going to be over pretty soon. We're rounding out pretty quickly. I've got a couple things I want to mention. You know, you know what today is? Today is Neil Patel's <laughs> birthday. <laughs> oh, so I, I, I don't know if uh, we're going to do it, but I think that everybody out there in Webmaster Radio Land should you know, put the little princess hat on and sing a happy song to Neil.
2: Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, you know, I also think everybody should send him an email and fill up his Facebook account full of
3: messages. Repeatedly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a great guy. Great guy. Um, what else, what else, what else so, yeah. is going on at the-
0: Hey, what the heck is this? With- did, you- did you check out Yahoo's report- um, Q1 report the other day?
3: I was, uh, I was admittedly surprised, and pleasantly so for Yahoo
0: the uh, so they were they 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 actually beat the street's expectations they made their numbers they've um solidified their uh their defense against Microsoft a little bit it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next in the coming days especially given that i think um this week is the termination of um Steve bombers three week ultimatum
3: yeah well yeah i think this is just a I don't know if it's going to kill. Well, it certainly won't kill um, the the deals sort of with Microsoft. But uh, I certainly think, if nothing else, this is going to up the ante uh, in what it's going to take. And uh, if they can do this, if they can show uh, some additional revenue from from uh, you know, depending on how it all goes uh, with uh, with ad, um, Google feeding the ads through, what that may increase in their revenue. Um, you know, they may they may be able to push it to uh, to a price that that just doesn't really uh, doesn't really work for Microsoft at that point, and and it could work. Uh, this I don't think is enough to do it in and of itself, but but they are making some some good moves forward, and uh, they may be able to just put it at a price point that that just doesn't make sense anymore for Microsoft.
0: You know, I, I actually wish Sarah was still on the phone because I got two words to say to this one: shareholder lawsuits. I mean, we're there, it, <laughs> this is going to get ugly, crazy, eh? Yes,
3: Microsoft it is. Walks away. Yes, it is. Oh
0: my goodness! You're going to see Yahoo shareholders it- just go ape.
3: Well, it's going to be—it's going to be just absolutely uh, a, a, a total. Well I was going to say debacle but that's not the right word but it is going to be very interesting to watch I mean, of course as a as a sideline person not a shareholder or not uh, this is just going to be a, an awesome thing to watch uh just from a from a spectator sport kind of perspective I don't know how geeky I sounded right there uh, obviously very. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is uh, what Yahoo's managing to to kind of pull off, beating the expectations here. I think that's just awesome. Uh, really ups it and, and makes this a much more interesting game for uh, for us to watch. And, and how this affects the the deal with Microsoft is going to be a, a really interesting thing as well. Um, and yeah, you're right. The the issues with the with what the shareholders are going to be doing and stuff is yeah. I think it's. I, I'm really looking forward to the next uh, the next quarter and, and seeing what this quarter holds for us. Absolutely. And Dave, we got to take it out now. I'm getting message from studio. We have a live affiliate marketing
0: insider insider show coming up in five minutes. a great show directly after Webcology. So we got to go. We're out. Friends, this has been Jim Hedger from metamen.com and Dave Davies from Beanstalk-Inc. We've had some great guests on today. We have another amazing show coming to you next week at this time. Stay tuned. Live affiliate marketing insider is coming up next. And uh, thanks Brasco for engineering. And friends, thank you for listening to webmasterradio.fm. Talk to you next week.